Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. Yeah, that was a great video, wasn't it? Oh, that was a great time there on the 10.7 acres that God has blessed us with so richly. And we are just thankful for all God has done over the last five years. As we look to the future, we're, we're excited about what God may be doing uh, through this body of believers for the 50,000 people in our community that are far away from God. And we're just thankful for God's grace in our life. Can we all say just thanks to God for that? That's what we did there in the land. Just said thanks to God. Can we do that one Two, three. Thanks to God. Yeah, he has blessed us so richly. My name is Larry Sewell. I'm one of the elders here at the Lighthouse. And we just want to make sure that you feel uh, very welcome here at Lighthouse, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in person. Uh, we're just glad that you joined this family uh, today to worship God together. Today we're finishing a five-week series. It's a series that's called All In. Now, All In is not... A, a series for the spiritually elite. All In is a, a series, it's a message for every single person who's crossed the line of faith and calls Jesus their Lord. Uh, we're going to jump into that in just a minute, but before we do that, I want to pray for us. Can we pray together? God, we're thankful for this Lighthouse family and for your just abundant blessings on us here. We're so thankful for the 10.7 acres that you've given us for ministry use but we're also aware that there's a, a huge hill to climb in front of us as we, we plan and as we uh, think about all the things you're calling us to do in this community. We ask for your grace. We ask for your blessing as we make those plans. I'm thankful for Pastor Fritz, and I'm thankful for the very many leaders of Lighthouse that have brought us to this point so far and the engagement of the family of God right here in this place. Uh, we're just thankful for that. And so today I pray that you will quiet our hearts and that you would turn our attention to you. We want to hear your voice as we think about uh, what you've said in the pages of Scripture today. And I pray all these things through Jesus. Amen. Have you ever thought about what your life would be like absent the blessing of God? What would it be like if God was not generous to you? How different would your life be? Now, some of you came to faith later in life, and so you can remember a time when you were walking in darkness, separated from God, and the difference between that and what it's like to walk with God right now. You can see the tremendous contrast uh, due to the generosity of God in your life. Now, I was 12 years old when I came to faith, and so I don't have the contrast that some have when they uh, come to faith as adults, but I remember this time of searching for God in a time where I was fearful about what would happen if I left this earth without him. And I remember that tussle as, as God was drawing my heart to himself, and yet I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure out what grace was about. I remember that tussle, the before and the after. Sometimes when I read the scripture, I just I kind of try to think about what the heart of God is trying to express. And, and one key theme that I see all the way through the Bible, New Testament especially, is that once a person crosses the line of faith, nothing is the same. Everything changes when a person crosses the line of faith. Uh, we call it new birth. 
We call it new birth because it's a new beginning. Something has started, something that's brand new. The result of knowing God is sensing and feeling and knowing the generosity of God. And once you see the generosity of God, it's almost impossible to forget. Those who've tasted and seen what's good uh, have a hard time remembering what God has done, uh, forgetting what God has done. Um, Seeing God's generosity has changed me. Uh, In the time I've known Pastor Fritz the last five years, I see God's generosity continually changing him as he leans into God and says yes to Jesus. Before we jump into chapter 4, the last part of chapter 4 in Acts, I want to start by thinking a little bit about the generosity of God. Think about the generosity of God with me. Creator God made us in his image. He made us to be like him. He's poured himself out into us. If you think about it uh, this way, creation itself demonstrates the generosity of God. God made this world for us to live in. Even when we turned our backs on God, we put our fist in God's face and said, I'm going to go my own way. God himself entered into our mess. He came to this world. Jesus was God in the flesh to pay the penalty for our sin. God poured his forgiveness. God poured his grace out on us. And Christians have experienced that grace. We've experienced forgiveness. We've experienced salvation and freedom from spiritual darkness. We have peace with God. And when we have peace with God, that changes everything. It changes our perspective on how we live. Christians have the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. We, we listened to that in the song this morning. We have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said, it's good for me that I go away because then the Holy Spirit will come. It's a, it's a gift of God that comes to us because God is generous. Christians also know that God has flung open wide the door to his throne room. We can walk into the presence of God and he hears us when we pray because he's generous and he loves us. He hears us when we pray. And even when we don't have the words to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us according to the will of God. We know that this world has brokenness, and we see the effects of sin every day. But we also know that in the end, when God winds it all up, all things will be made new. The fear of death is replaced by eternal hope. God is generous, and he has poured out his grace on those who believe. A few years ago, several years ago, when my dad came to faith, he was uh, later in life, he was in his 50s, and he had resisted God for a very, very long time, and finally he yielded, and he he asked God to forgive his sin. He came to faith in his his later 50s. And I remember uh, being with him at the front of the church and talking about what happened, and I said, hey, Dad, what is it that caused you to turn from your sin and to turn to God, finally, after all these years? You know what he told me? He said this, because God is such a giving God. That's all he said. He recognized the generosity of God that he had poured out on him. God has poured himself out in generosity to us. God found me when I was lost in sin, 
and he made me part of his family. He made me part of his family. You know, we have a new identity as Christians. We're part of the family of God, and with a new identity comes new values. We no longer think about things the same way we used to think about them. Things like how we look at our time and how we spend it. Uh, what we spend our time doing and, and how that affects other people. Uh, how we spend our money. Everything about our life, all the things that are very important to us, change with a new identity. The Bible says it this way, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passing away and the new has come. Lighthouse is a family of New Testament believers, people who have said and are saying yes to Jesus. As we read God's divinely inspired word, the Bible, we catch glimpses of God. And as we see God and we see him in clarity through the things that are said and the actions that we are recorded about God in the Bible, it actually changes us. We see God and we're nourished by that and we're changed by that as we lean into it. The Spirit of God changes us according to our knowledge of him. Now, the big rock for today, the thing I'd like you to consider is this, this line. Believers are generous because they have experienced the generosity of God. Believers are generous because they have experienced the generosity of God. And in fact, when Christians display generosity among themselves, they are actually reflecting the very character of God himself. Uh, our God is overwhelmingly generous to us. Pastor Fritz spoke from Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 uh, last week and the week before, and we're going to continue where he stopped. I'd like to just kind of dive into that story together and think about being there yourself, a first century believer in that first group of believers. The resurrection of Jesus had just happened. Jerusalem was abuzz with this message. This, this man who said that he was God has now risen from the dead, and everyone knows. The world is abuzz with that information. And if you're a disciple, if you were an apostle, you, you saw it with your own eyes. You had seen it, and you knew that it was true. You remembered everything he said, all the things that he had done. You were a witness to what's true. The last thing Jesus said just before he ascended to the, to the apostles, you're going to be witnesses. You're going to tell people everywhere about the things you've seen and the things you've heard. And Jesus ascends at that point. The Holy Spirit comes, and Peter's denial of Jesus is such last month's news. It's over. He's now filled with the Holy Spirit. He preached, preaches a message to the 3,000 people, or to, to the crowd, and 3,000 people come to faith. They sense the Holy Spirit in them. It's alive. These people know that it's true. The Holy Spirit is in them. Acts 2.42 is a verse that we talked about uh, just a few weeks ago. Uh, the first community forms, and they're dialing into what the apostles had taught, the scriptures. We see those words today. Uh, they're deeply involved in prayer. They're celebrating communion. They're remembering what Jesus had done for them. Even though it had been two months prior, they're still remembering together. And they're doing it all in community. But the verse in Acts chapter 2 that just kind of rattles my brain comes in verse 47, where it says this, The Lord 
was adding to their number daily people who were being saved. People were experiencing the generosity of God, and they were joining the family one by one and two by two every single day. In Acts 4, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit again, and he preaches. And 5,000 men, I take that to be 5,000 families, believe. And the religious leaders are stomping around, and they're angry, and they're trying to get these people to stop. And you know what they're saying? They say, how can we stop? We can't help but say the things we've experienced, the things that we know are true. We're witnesses of the truth. Something remarkable has happened. And when they pray, they're praying to, oh, sovereign God. And the earth is shaking, and they're speaking the word of God with power. You know, the, the religious leaders are stopping around and watching these guys, and it's like, these aren't like the other Hebrews, the people who pray out of rote. These are people who know something. Something's happened to them, something mind-bending, something completely has altered their, their perspective on life. They aren't the same people they used to be. They had the Spirit of God in them. They knew that Jesus had risen from the dead. This is so far from playing church. That wasn't even a thought in their minds. It wasn't a kumbaya moment by a campfire where everybody feels good. These people turned to mission. They were were talking about what was true, and people were coming into the church as God was changing hearts of people, and they were saying yes to Jesus. The mind-bending and life-altering had happened, and it was impossible to go back to the way things were before. They had experienced the generosity of God toward them in salvation, and nothing would ever be the same. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 is our text for today. And this is what happened with that new uh, group of believers after they'd experienced God's generosity. This is what it says. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, he sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. I'd like to pick these verses apart and just kind of look at the scene of what happened in the early church, just weeks and months after the resurrection of Jesus. Verse 32. Now the number of those who believed were one in heart and soul. They said that the things that, uh, none of them said the things that belonged to them were their own, but they had all things in common. Now these verses, or this verse seems very uncommon and unnatural to me, almost abnormal in many respects. Now, this is right after Pentecost, Okay, so people from every nation and language were still there in Jerusalem along with the locals. There was broad economic diversity. There were people who had businesses and lands and and homes to sell, and there were other people who had nothing, people who had traveled there from far away. 
There was great diversity from an ethnic standpoint and a religious standpoint. Geographically, they came from all kinds of different walks of life. Uh, there, were prob- there was probably the equivalent of Democrats and Republicans in the crowd. Okay? And yet, this group was of one heart and one soul. You know, the Bible never mentions the tremendous diversity that was among those people. They were of one heart and one soul. Diversity was put to the side. The other thing that seems really abnormal here is that no one said the things that belonged to them were their own. And instead, they treated everything as common for the good of each other. This doesn't even work in communist company, uh, countries. You know, um, who divorces themselves from the stuff they have? Okay? But that's what happened here. Put yourself in the picture. Why would you have that kind of unity with others? Why would you divorce yourself from your stuff? Well, I think the answer is that something dramatic was going on. They had believed they had the Holy Spirit in them, and nothing would ever be the same. There's no coercion here. There's no guilt here. Something remarkable had happened inside them that changed them from the inside. The unity that we see here is patterned after the unity that we see in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, But in the first century, it wasn't common, just as it's not common today to have that kind of unity. In fact, the deference that they showed to each other is the kind of deference that we read in in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus had. He put away his own rights for the good of others. And there's an important point I think we should think about. The unity that we see in this scene actually gives legs to evangelism. Uh, Jesus, when he prayed in his high priestly prayer in John 17, uh, he talked about that. The unity that exists between believers is actually attractive to those who are outside of faith. It's actually a window uh, into the idea of salvation. They were of one heart and one soul. There was crazy unity among this experience of new faith. There was radical caring taking place between Christians. Pretty clear indication that there was a new heart among these people. You know, the rules we live by within a family are different than the rules we live by with other people. Now, I have two daughters. They're both married, and they're grown and gone away, and we have five grandchildren. When they come to our house... It's very different than if somebody outside our family comes to our house. Okay, the rules change. If you're a grandchild in our house, it's a pretty good gig, you know? (laughs) You know, rules inside the family are different, okay? We're a family of believers together, and we have a new identity as a family of believers. We're no longer defined by our stuff, But instead, we're defined by care, deep care for other believers. The set point of self-focus and selfishness gets displaced uh, in deference to the others in the church and those who have need. It's countercultural in our nation. You know, we are a nation where individualism uh, reigns, you know. It's a personal accumulation of wealth. That's how we keep score, right? Who has more stuff? Uh, and isolation from other people, is, that's considered acceptable in this pursuit of having more stuff. But you know, all that stuff that we talk about there is all temporary. It's all passing away, okay? This identity, as being a family of God together, changes everything. This is a new identity. 
and Christians are generous toward each other because of the generosity that God has shown us. You know, it's pretty cool to see deep generosity existing within the family here at Lighthouse. We hear stories all the time of stuff that's going on in family groups. And it's not led by the pastors or the leader. It's, it's the congregation caring for each other in our family groups. We have about 20 family groups, and it's, it's really encouraging when we see the deep level of care that exists for each other within the family here at Lighthouse. You know, it is okay to care for other people in the family of God. No one has to ask permission. It's just okay to do. Verse 33 And with great, I would say, Holy Spirit-enabled power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and and great grace was upon them all. You know, there was no confusion among the people about what had happened. They all knew Jesus had risen from the dead. They all knew that the Holy Spirit was in them. Together, they were a witness to this thing. And it grabbed every part of them. They experienced the outpouring of God, and they turned and gave. Peter says it this way when he talks about this experience of uh, understanding the gospel. He said, we didn't make stuff up in the beginning, but instead we were eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses to the truth. I've heard prosperity preachers talk, and sometimes they say things like, well, if you give, then God's going to give to you. Okay, And they make this, you know, if you do this, then God's going to do this to you, and you're going to make out because uh, you gave something away. And, you know, I know God to be generous from what I read in the Scriptures, and I also know God to be generous personally because of all he's given me. But I don't think that's what was going on here. I don't think these people were giving because they were expecting to get because they were giving. I don't think that's what's going on at all. I think they were giving in direct response to new birth. I think they were giving in direct response to the Holy Spirit in their lives. They had a new identity. They knew Jesus was true. They they knew their sins were forgiven and they were grateful. In a response, they were generous toward brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 34 is kind of a piling on of verse 32. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands and houses sold them, And they brought the proceeds of what was sold, and they laid them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. Those who it says those who had homes and lands were selling those assets and bringing the money to the church for the gospel. Now I suspect many of these people thought that Jesus was coming back right away. We mentioned a minute ago that it's okay for family group members and members of the church to care for each other. But what this is talking about is something that's a step above that. This is talking about reckless generosity. Reckless generosity in response to the gospel. You know, when the gospel shakes your very soul, it makes you generous, it makes you thankful for all that God has given us. I don't think this passage is prescriptive. I don't think uh, the author here is intending to say that all Christians should sell everything they have and bring all of their money and put it at the church. I don't think that's what's being said. But I do think it's saying that reckless generosity uh, is consistent with genuine faith. And I think the reckless generosity we're talking about is more than just money. I think it's how we use our time. I think it's our relationship with other people. I think it's all of that, that we give ourselves uh, based on the generosity that's been given to us. Reckless generosity 
toward the kingdom of God is a part of the new identity that we have in Christ. Verse 36 gives us an example. Thus Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, the son of encouragement, right? Uh, he sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. I've been running in my head saying, what kind of person sells a piece of land and then contributes all of that money, all that cash, to the gospel? What kind of person does that? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's a person whom God has given much. Okay? God has given uh, tremendous assets to some people. Um, people that do that kind of thing recognize that everything they have came from God. Virtually everything, a very breath, comes from God. Uh, probably a person who recognizes the needs of other people within the church. Maybe a person who recognizes the mission of the church to 50,000 and wants to support that. Someone who is grateful for what God has done for them. I would think of a person like this as an investor in the kingdom of God. Someone who gives lavishly, someone who gives recklessly for that which he knows is true and real. Um, there's some examples of reckless generosity I want to talk about. Uh, we mentioned one already, uh, people in Lighthouse caring for other people in Lighthouse who have need. And I've seen just some tremendous examples of that just recently where people are caring for other people. But did you know that Lighthouse has been the recipient of tremendous generosity? Lighthouse is a congregation. We, in this place, have been a, a tremendous recipient of generosity. Back in the early days, five years ago, uh, when we had this idea about Lighthouse, okay, the Living Hope Church actually pulled together the cash necessary to build out a church inside this building. And during the very early days before we actually started meeting, uh, Living Hope Church paid Pastor Fritz's salary. It was a very small salary, but uh, it was a salary nonetheless uh, to allow us to get started. They gave us that as a gift. More recently, Living Hope has actually uh, donated $195,000 to help us with a land purchase and also to start our building fund. That's tremendous, reckless generosity for the kingdom of God. Did you know that Youth for Christ has been recklessly generous to us? We have kind of a ministry lease to be able to use this facility and all that parking. Uh, they let us use the clubhouse for no additional cost. They just have let us use these facilities to start a church because they, they're, they're, they're grateful for what God has given them, and they want to return that in terms of the gospel going out. This whole thing reminds me of the believers in Philippi. Uh, I love that little book. It's a, it's a church, it's a newer church, about 10 years in as a new church. Paul is writing this letter to those folks, and he's recounting things that had happened there. This is a church full of joy. You know, joy is a, is a fruit of the Spirit, right? They have the Holy Spirit with them. Uh, they're joyful people. And he writes to them uh, with great passion. He, he's recounting uh, they were ministers in the gospel. They had war stories, so to speak, as they, as they labored together. If you move toward the end of that book, you see that this is the church that helped finance Paul's missionary journey with uh, Timothy and Silas. They went to places like Thessalonica and Berea and Athens and Corinth. That little church is a new church, was generous 
with their money, and they supported Paul as he went preaching the gospel and planting churches. And in a very real sense, that little church shared in every gospel event that occurred on his missionary journeys. Think about the multiplication, all those churches all over Asia that were planted, all those people that came to faith, people saying yes to Jesus. And this little church was the generous church that allowed all of that to happen. You know, building up churches with the gospel is clear. Uh, people caring for each other. This is the pattern that we see in the Bible. Every person using their gifts, every person using their resources for the kingdom. It's not coercion. It's not guilt. It's thankfulness for the generosity that God has shown us. Peter tells us that we were ransomed from the feudal ways that we inherited from our forefathers with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without spot or blemish. He says this, he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for us. It's a description of all that God has given us. And when he speaks, he speaks to people as exiles, exiles and sojourners and temporary residents, people passing through this world with the future of heaven in mind. Before focusing more on the church, uh, I was involved in business as a financial manager for, for many years, about 25 years. And I've known lots of people who have tremendous wealth. And I've noticed uh, there's two kinds of people out there. There are those who own their wealth, and there are those whose wealth owns them. And I've noticed that when people are not generous, and when they're tight, and when they're accumulating, they're always unhappy people, you know? Uh, generosity brings joy, and it brings freedom in our lives. There is a thing called a spiritual gift of giving. It's right up there with teaching, and leading and exhortation and showing mercy, a spiritual gift. And God gives that gift freely to many people, people who have the gift of giving and want to use resources uh, that God has given them. You know, there are some people who actually have lifelong goals for the giving that they want to do in their life, whether it's time or whether it's money. There are some people who've decided that everything over a certain amount of financial wealth is to be given away. Yeah, I know people like that, that have decided that they're going to invest their resources in the kingdom of God. Something happens when we give. It changes us. When we give of ourselves, and whether that's time or whether that's money, something happens to us. Generosity brings joy. Every believer is called to give according to what God has so graciously given us. Uh, to finish today, I'd like to read some verses out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to Pastor Timothy, a young pastor, and he's just kind of thrown all kinds of truth out there for Timothy to hear. I'd like to just read some of these verses and have you think about these as I read them. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing... With these things be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, to a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and it is through craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs. In verse 11, pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love, steadfastness and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And then verse 17, for the rich in this present age, they have to know from uh, first century terms, almost all of us in this room would qualify as rich according to this time. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, to be ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Paul encourages us to chase godliness and not things. He encourages us to recognize that everything in this world is temporary. Yeah, we live this in this world thinking about the eternal. He reminds us that God will provide the things that are essential in our lives and that a focus on the temporary, things that are passing away, will actually destroy our lives. He suggests we put our hope in God to focus our actions on generosity. And he suggests that if we do this, in this process, we will find true life. True life. God is generous toward us. And because he's generous toward us, believers have a new identity. And that's an identity of generosity to others. Uh, we have prayer uh, warriors that are going to be here this morning at the different corners of the auditorium. And uh, God opens up his heart to us as we pray. Uh, you're welcome to pray this morning. So as they're coming and the music starts to play, let me pray for us. God, we're so thankful for your generosity in our lives. We're thankful that you've given us the capacity to feel the joy that comes from giving of ourselves to the kingdom. I pray for each person here this morning that you would draw every person who needs to pray this morning. I pray these things to Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.